Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. We're t- going to take a look at the calendar ahead for investors this week, positioning your portfolio to possibly benefit from U.S. government spending. And we'll take a look at a couple of different asset classes as well, from U.S. tech stocks to copper. We're joined by Adam Reynolds, the CEO of Saxo Markets for APEC. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Michelle. First up, I wanted to ask what your narrative is um, in terms of the new COVID waves. What does this mean for markets? We're seeing fierce new COVID-19 waves hitting developing countries across the world. India appears the worst hit, but there are also surges in Thailand, in Nepal, in Laos. Here in Singapore, the number of clusters is on the rise as well. So U.S. stocks are trending at record highs. Here in Singapore, we're seeing fears of a shutdown, which spooked investors yesterday. The STI fell 1%. Adam, how do you see COVID fears impacting markets over the near term? And could there be a divergence perhaps between U.S. and Asian shares? Yeah, Michelle, that word divergence, I think, is the key word when we're looking at the COVID waves uh, this year. Um, Obviously, the countries that have been fastest rolling out their vaccines have done very well uh, in containing the virus and are not seeing the second waves. Uh, But those countries which are much slower in rolling out the vaccines are seeing second waves. So I think the impacts on different markets uh, will be very local uh, and there will be this uh, divergence that you speak of. Uh, Asia has been slower to roll out the virus than, uh, say, the UK and the US. And that, I think, uh, is why the, the, the second waves are coming around uh, in parts of Asia at the moment. So I'm a bit cautious around those countries, to be honest. All right, Adam. And what do you expect investors are going to be on the lookout for when it comes to the calendar this week? It's going to be a big week. We've got we've got employment reports Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday with uh, ADP on Wednesday, jobless claims on Thursday, and non-farm payrolls on Friday. That's going to dominate uh, the week ahead. I expect those numbers to be strong, um, and I expect uh, people to then start thinking about the inflation number that comes out next Wednesday uh, if the numbers do indeed come out strong this week on uh, on employment. And the U.S. initial jobless claims. Are you expecting any changes there? Ah uh, well, it, it was a very strong number last week. I think it's the mm-hmm. best uh, initial jobless claims we've had since the crisis started. I, I expect that trend to continue. It may be around the same level as last week, or slightly worse, but I think it'll still be a good number relative to the last uh, few months. So a busy week for markets as uh, we roll into May. Now, the U.S. government is going to be unleashing $2 trillion worth of spending on infrastructure. Um, some say uh, Morgan Stanley believes that $2.25 trillion could unleash a super cycle of spending that we last saw in the 1950s and that with Democrats in control in Washington, the infrastructure floodgates could finally open. So we're looking at spending at 10% of the current gross domestic product doled out over eight years. Uh, for the listener, $600 billion going to conventional projects like roads, bridges, public transit, and then there's $374 billion for tech, uh, including rural broadband, modernizing the electric grid, electric vehicles as well, even U.S. manufacturing and research and development looking to subsidies and incentives worth almost half a $480 billion, I should say. So are there strategies, Adam, that investors can take given these expectations for such spending? Absolutely, Michelle. You know, I think, that, I think it's uh, really the big story over the next few years 
these huge infrastructure spending um, wave of money that's going to be released into the economy. Uh, I think that argues for focusing on uh, construction and uh, commodity-type companies, as well as commodities themselves, and focusing less on uh, the tech sector than we have had in the past. So uh, that's, that, for me, is, is, is the strategy that investors should be looking at. And you can play that quite well through, uh, through different ETFs in the different sectors. All right. Uh, speaking of markets, Goldman Sachs says it's bullish on Korea, saying it could see a 16% rise because of the significant lift in the world economy. Goldman Sachs has a target of 3700 for the KOSPI. It's already up more than 10% so far this year. What do you make of their expectations for Korea? Well, the KOSPI has outperformed the NASDAQ since, uh, since the lows we saw uh, in March last year. It's one of the few markets that has. And Korea is one of the few countries that has uh, overtaken its uh, high point of GDP prior to coronavirus. So I think there's a lot to like in Korea. I personally uh, am interested in putting some more money in there myself. Mm. They've had a good response overall to the, uh, to the virus, but their vaccine rollout has been slow. They're not seeing quite the same second wave as other countries as well. So overall, I think, yeah, Korea is good, uh, probably the best economy in Asia to be focusing on at the moment. All right. Let's talk about your take across several different asset classes. Let's start with U.S. stocks. The Nasdaq closed up half a percent overnight. It is up 50 plus percent over the past year. Uh, what is your take on U.S. tech stocks? I think tech stocks probably are overvalued relative to, to uh, value stocks. Uh, I think that uh, tech yeah, the big tech companies sort of act like fixed income, like long-term bonds. And so with rates very low, they've performed uh, very well as people can get yields from them. But as inflation becomes more of an issue, and that will be driven by the big infrastructure spend and the low rates, mm. then I think the attractiveness of these uh, big tech companies becomes less. And that's why I think a focus on value and it sort of infrastructure construction and commodities type companies makes more sense than tech. All right. Let's look at the U.S. dollar. It's held strong this year, despite many predictions to the contrary, up about 1% against other major currencies. What do you see when you look at the U.S. dollar? Yeah, I think the market's been losing money overall trying to short the U.S. dollar, and I think that that has been problematic. I don't have a strong view on the overall trend, um, but I think that uh, if we see fixed income continuing to sell off, we'll see more short squeezes in the dollar. Um, so, so dollar strength uh, or bouts of dollar strength may persist over the next quarter or so. I think that will also mm. impact uh, sorry, gold and silver as well. Uh, so I think in the commodity space, it's better to focus on the industrial commodities rather than gold and silver. What, what do you see when you look at gold? Well, yeah, people have been very long gold for some time. Mm. And it, it, it failed and has sold back off. And uh, now it sees a little bit range bound. But I think if we have these bouts of US dollar strength, mm-hmm. then gold may probe lower again and probably you know, head back down to the 1600s. Right. Uh, the world apparently risks running out of copper because there's uh, growing demand for the metal. And that's paving the way for a spike in copper prices as global economic reopenings get underway. This according to strategists over at Bank of America. Apparently inventories for coppers now stands at levels seen 15 years ago, implying that stocks cover just 3.3 weeks of demand. What, what, do you, what is your take on copper? Well, you know, the, the stocks, are, the, the inventories are very low. As you mm. say, demand is growing. Uh, this $2 trillion of infra spending will, will also push demand even higher. Right. So I'm, pers- I'm personally long uh, copper miners ETF, uh, as well as quite a few of the other commodity ETFs that uh, 
that I think can benefit from this uh, from this environment. Yeah, let's talk about commodities. I mean, prices for everything, copper, oil, corn, skyrocketing. The Bloomberg Commodity Spot Index that tracks 23 raw materials at its highest level in more than eight years. Help us understand your take on what's happening. Is demand really outstripping supply that much for these basic inputs? Or is this about supply chain disruptions coming to the fore? I think it's a bit of both, actually. I think supply chain disruptions... Uh, are quite uh, important, and I think that you know they have been exacerbated by the coronavirus uh, impacts, and also by the deglobalisation that was coming through the political agenda prior to coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, but as demand comes roaring back, uh, you know the supply chains can't get themselves back in place quick enough. So I'm, I'm personally very bullish on everything related to commodities and uh, inflation in the uh, in the short to medium time. Even at these price levels, Adam, do you think it's still a good time to get in on commodities, or has that ship sailed? No, I don't think it's failed at all. If you look at the long term, commodities are still relatively cheap. Uh, so I, I think that there's a there's the chance for a fairly good, uh, long-lasting cycle of commodity strength. Always great speaking with you, Adam. Thank you for joining us. Thanks very much, Michelle. He's Adam Reynolds, CEO for Saxo Markets APAC. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.